Welcome to Umbrella Rebellion. I'm Marcy. And I'm Dee. We are finding healing after leaving a cult. We will be discussing abuse and personal experience with the ATI, IBLP, and fundamental churches. Trigger warning. This podcast may contain descriptions of various forms of abuse. Please take care for your safety and well-being while you are listening. If the content becomes too much for you to handle, please turn this off. We hope to expose harmful teachings that lead to and justify abuse. With the hope that those that are experiencing abuse can find support and escape from it. Welcome, y'all. Welcome. Hey, Dee. Hey, Tammy. You've been on the pod before. I have. They'll have to go back and listen to Diabolical Soup. Part one and two. Yeah. <laughs> and we also have Marcy. Welcome. Thank you. Hi. We're recording on StreamYard. So it's going to be new for my listeners for sure. But Dee is in Louisiana. Just we aren't in the same town today. And Marcy's in Oklahoma, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So we are, you know, if it sounds a little different to my listeners, it's because we're doing it on StreamYard. And I think Dee is going to actually put this somewhere on YouTube or Facebook or something. Yeah. It's, we're going to go ahead and put it on our podcast, YouTube, Umbrella Rebellion. And so if you want to see the video, hop over there. She'll put a link in the description of the show notes. Yep. So you can go, oh, well, I want to watch Tammy today. Yeah, I don't have any makeup on, so you just don't even, <laughs> no, no face shaming <laughs> from my people. <laughs> but no, so they are, have been gracious enough to join us because these two ladies grew up, if I understand correctly, in a cult. Correct. Yes. That is crazy shit, and I want you to tell me all about it. <laughs> we can do that. Absolutely. So first and foremost, the, the cult that we were involved in is also the cult of the Duggars. <gasps> the Duggars? Yeah, I was waiting for that. <laughs> okay, so do you, th- do you want me to put the cult name in the show notes so that people can research it on their own? Yeah, absolutely. You can do what, that. What, what's it called? It's the Institute in Basic Life Principles, but it's also, they have a homeschool part of it that's called ATI, Advanced Training Institute. All right. And the that was created by Bill Gothard. That name sounds familiar to me. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of give you a little bit of history about the, the cult and how it began. Okay, so you're all going to start off by giving us a little background. Mm-hmm. Can I just call it the cult? I mean, there's so many. It doesn't narrow it down a whole lot. <laughs> no. But, I mean, so do most people refer to this as a cult? Or are people kind of... Like, I watched on Netflix the Leah Remy Scientology stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I don't know that I ever really thought Scienti- thought of it as a cult before I saw that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it is a cult. So funny story is when I watched that documentary, that's how I realized I had been in a cult. No shit. Because it has so many similarities. Uh Uh-huh. That's how they handle things. And they're not as uh, physically violent, but. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Their their control is more spiritual and mental, Mm -hmm. whereas Scientology has all of the spiritual, mental, and also some physical stuff that they do for control. Yeah. Yeah. Like putting them in the 
yeah anyway the whole yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i couldn't believe it y'all when i watched that so i know Maybe so to I'll answer be... your question some people would say yes and some people would say no no mm -hmm. just but... depending on where they are coming out of it okay mm -hmm. people okay, well... in it absolutely don't think that they're in a cult well of course no. not yeah yeah yeah, I, mean, I was in, I was in a relationship with someone once, a friend, and I didn't realize until the relationship was over that I was in a mini cult. Like, oh, like I felt like that person controlled me completely, and I'm not that kind of person. Mm -hmm. And you find yourself going, what? Ha like, how did I let myself be manipulated so much? And you know. People, when I say it around my family, they laugh. You, you, two people can't be a cult. I was like, yeah, I was in a cult. Okay. I, I, sh I should have gotten out of it a long time ago. So I want to hear all about, I'm going to shut up now and I want y'all to just take it away. Okay. You start me. Okay. I'll go ahead and start. So in 1961, Bill Gothard created something called Basic Youth Conflicts, which is a seminar on basically how to live a better life because you know i think it was something to do with like when he was in college he everybody was you know it was the 60s they were acting like it was the 60s drugs and sex, sex and, and rock and roll yeah yes exactly the three yeah. most worst things in the world drug sex and rock and roll so i think it's drug sex and video games now for the kids today <laughs> yes Pretty much. And YouTube. Yeah. Yes, and YouTube. <laughs> it does um, save lives, though. Yeah. It, it can. It, it yes. Can. I've learned a few things. So from that, he changed it. I'm not sure what year it was, but I think it was in the 70s to 80s time frame. He changed it to the Institute for Basic Life Principles. And it's based on his teachings of there's like, I think, seven basic life principles that if you abide by them, then you're going to, God's going to bless you and all that kind of stuff. So this is a Christian organization that believes that, you know, Jesus is their savior, God, you know, Trinity, God, Son, Holy Spirit is the Trinity, yeah. all that kind of stuff. I mean, um, it kind of sounds like he's revamped the Ten Commandments, maybe. Like, Oh, it goes way you, beyond that. But It's yeah. like, dude, what do you get off saying these are the seven things? I mean, the Ten Commandments are pretty clear. This is what you need to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. And so from that came the homeschool program. And Marcia, you want to take that one? Sure. So in the 80s, I think 1984, probably, they started the homeschooling program. So families would go to the basic and advanced seminars, IBLP, and they would tell them about ATIA. They later changed it to ATI, uh, so Advanced Training Institute. And they started this homeschooling curriculum. They took 100 families in their first pilot year, and then they they just added to it in the, you know, in upcoming years, they based it on 52 wisdom booklets. They called them wisdom booklets and it covered, it used the same seven principles that you learn in the basic seminar and they would cover different subjects in it, a lot of, uh, all biblically based. And so it grew from that first 100 families to, they filled a college campus in Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee, thousands of people. So it grew huge. So also with the homeschooling, are they teaching the basic life skills that you're taught, you know, math, 
reading. So in the in the booklets, they're labeled like that. So they have history and math and science and things like that. And it would cover like a very small portion of those. And then they would tie it to some Bible verse or parable or, you know, Bible story or something like that. But it did not teach the basics. So the families had to add that to the curriculum. Wow. Um, so my so mom would take other school books and add that to the curriculum. So both of you went through this homeschooling as children? I did. Okay. As a child. I grew up in it. So we applied for the first year, but because I was in kindergarten and not first grade and they were only taking a hundred families, we got bumped to the second year. So I, I was six when we got you in. Were, but you were like a pioneer. Yeah. Yeah. Still. <laughs> wow. So my family didn't get involved in, in it until mid nineties to late nineties. I did homeschool, but I didn't do the ATI homeschool okay. for high school. Okay. So, and then I graduated early. I joined the air force and sometime between <clears throat> like right around the time I was joining the air force to when I was like my first year of college is when I think it was like 97, 98, possibly they joined this. And so I have a younger brother that's nine years younger than me. And I also have a sister who's 20 years younger than me. So, so because of the fact that you were going off to military or college or whatever, were you that deep in it with your family? I, and I kind of go into like Marcy and I both have like our history videos. That's part of our podcast. So I'm not going to go too deep into it. Cause you can always go, go see that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I gotta go watch it. Y'all umbrella Academy, right? No, umbrella? that's the Netflix show. <laughs> umbrella rebellion. Rebellion. Yes. So, and we also explain the reason our podcast is called the umbrella of rebellion is because there is a teaching in this cult that there's a order of authority. So God, the father, the mother, the children, and it's illustrated by umbrellas. Okay. So y'all are, are, yeah, y'all are rebels. a bunch of rebels. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I get yes. it. We broke the mold. <laughs> we got out from under the umbrella of authority. Okay. Mm -hmm. So back to where you were, D, in your life when you got involved. So I had a very strained relationship with my parents. I moved out of my house when I was 17, and before I went to the Air Force, my goal was to kind of repair our relationship. I was required to move back home before I went to basic to go to the basic seminar, and that's how I got introduced to it when I was almost 18. Okay. And then from there, I just got deeper and deeper and deeper into it. So you weren't technically forced into it. No, but to gain my parents' approval. Gotcha. Yeah, you were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was basically conditional, you know, to a relationship with my parents. Yeah. And Marcy, good. for you, were you basically born into it? Well, I mean, yeah, from, from five years old. Yeah. Six years old. Yeah. Okay. So I just grew up in it. And then when I graduated, so about the same time that Dee was getting into it in 99, I went to their headquarters and worked there for four years. So that Dang. was, my, that was my deeper outside of just learning it at home and going to their seminars. That was my deep dive into being really inundated with it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then that's, that's where Mercy and I met was at headquarters. Cause after my air force stint, I got deeper into it. And my, my 
younger brother and my younger sister were starting to go through the the wisdom booklets so when i came home because you know as a single woman when i left the air force the only thing for me was to go back home not to live on my own right and so i got a little bit more involved in the wisdom booklets with their school and i wanted to i wanted to do something to i guess give back you know and so my heart was to help young girls who struggled and so that kind of basically is what led me to going to the headquarters is because my goal was to get connected with this ministry, start schmoozing with the right people and get, yeah. I am seeing Scientology all over this. Mm -hmm. yes, oh yeah. Definitely. Right. It is so just a general question. How big is this organization? Today, not is very it, big. Is it worldwide or was mm -hmm. it worldwide? It was worldwide. So they had training centers in Russia in was it New Zealand? D, I think they had some I, New Zealand. Maybe. They had they some, in Taiwan. They had some people in Taiwan. They had an actual international department that handled all of their at headquarters in Chicago that handled all of their connections with overseas. So, but I believe that the I believe that Russia was the only one that had a large training center wow. that people lived there because I went on a mission trip over there at Christmas time, they would do that one. And I went over there and, and did their Christmas thing at that training center. They might've had a short one, had one in New Zealand for a short time. I can't wait to listen to y'all's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all met at the training center, mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. The yes. headquarters. Mm -hmm. The headquarters. I mean, what, so from there. where? So I left and got married and got into a very fundamental Baptist marriage relationship okay. and so and then i kind of started coming out of the whole cult around the time mr gothard got in trouble so we'll get back to that but marcy can kind of we're not going to go too much into detail about where we were after headquarters because we haven't gotten to that part of our story on our podcast okay all right yes we don't we yeah. don't want to yeah we don't want to derail y'all yeah. We're, so we're going to talk about some crime now. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> well, Marcy, you can kind of give a synopsis of what happened after, and then we'll go there. Oh, okay. All right. So I was at headquarters for four years, so from 99 to 2003. And I started seeing a really dark side of the cult and the way that they handled some situations really badly. And that kind of broke me out of the mindset and started making me question things. And so I ended up coming home after that. And I, I worked and did, and then eventually got married after that. But the, those situations at headquarters being really badly handled was what kind of broke it for me. And then I started walking out of it and I was 24. It's 24. Wow. So you actually, did y'all have like daily contact with the head I don't know. What do you call him? Minister, priest? What did y'all call him? So, Leader. Uh, we just called him Mr. Gothard. He would do like morning meetings and he would do weekend meetings that we were, we were required to uh, attend and learn from him. He would share his newest revelation with us before and practice it on us before he shared it with the masses. So when uh, he was, when he was in town, because he lived in that, like he had a bunch of property at headquarters and so he lived there so when he was in town he was there his office was actually across a driveway from where marcy and i lived okay. and then 
it yeah. also that building also had a kitchen where all of the staff would eat for lunch. So when he was in town, if he wasn't in meetings, he would also join us for lunch. So y'all couldn't even like go to Wendy's for lunch or whatever. Or, I mean, y'all had to eat there too. Yes. We were all unpaid volunteers. <gasps> oh, I maybe uh, most this of us. A job. Most, a lot of us, a lot of us was. Yeah. So the way that worked with the pay was most of them were volunteer. If you had been there for a long amount of time and you could negotiate it right, then sometimes they would pay you like a really minimal amount, really like, minimal, like not wow. enough to live on. Minimum wage or less. Not enough to get away. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, yes. No, not enough to get away. Uh, like, yeah, no. not even minimum wage, I would guess. I don't even remember what it was, but it wasn't, it was pennies. It was enough for me to buy gas to get to and from church that we were required to attend. And it was enough for me to buy food for during the week. So they would provide one meal a day and then, or yeah, one meal a day and then one meal on the weekends, each weekend day. Mm -hmm. And then you bought food the rest of the week. So that was it like $40 a week. Huh? I mean, it was like $40 a week. I it think, was really small. It, yeah, yeah, it wasn't enough to even buy food for the amount of meals that we needed. So a lot of times parents wow. um, supplemented that. Yeah. So, but obviously part of our, you know, income was being able to live there for free. Right? Mm -hmm, we didn't have to mm -hmm. pay to live there. So, yeah. you know, that was like, we get paid to live there and they, they feed us one meal a day. Yeah. And it was not uncommon for them to ask families to pay to have their students work for them. So it was Jeez. like a ministry opportunity. And because it was ministry, oh sacrificial giving was part of it. And so you had to pay to do those things. Mm, pay right. to serve. Right. Give us a nice donation and we'll give you a nice cushy job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. terrible. Give us your give us your sons and daughters to work for yeah. us very, very hard. Sacrifice also, your children. Yes. Mm -hmm. So eight to five was the normal business hours at headquarters, but they would also ask you to do volunteer projects in the evenings and weekends. So uh, even if, even though we had specific jobs, like a normal nine to five job, we had to do other things like mailing. We stuffed mail and we did, uh, I don't know, just you name it. We did it. If it was an extra project that they needed help with. Gosh. Dang it. Yeah. So back so Mr. to Mr. Head Honcho here. <laughs> He got no. in trouble. Okay. I'm rubbing my hands together. Yes. Tell yes. me. So in July of 2011, there was a new website on, on the internet and it was called Recovering Grace. And they, their whole mission at that point was to kind of like we're doing now on YouTube is telling our story of being involved in the cult and kind of deconstructing the teachings. And then... In April of 2012, they posted their first story involving Mr. Gothard, and we, they called it Lizzie's story. And then it snowballed into 34 women that came, 34 women that came forward, and they had experienced sexual harassment and abuse, and four, and four of them alleged molestation. Oh my gosh. Did this guy take a bunch of wives? Was he that kind of cult leader? He was never married. Oh, he was just fucking everybody. Actually, I don't, I don't know the extent of the molestation, but from what I gathered, it was never any sexual intercourse that happened. But within, from, from what I can remember, I may be wrong. Um, and there may be somebody out there that experienced that with him. I'm not saying it didn't happen, 
but because of the heavy teachings about not having sex outside of marriage, I don't oh. think he ever pushed it that far. Gotcha. It was always just so it was always just so inappropriate that you just questioned whether you just experienced what you experienced from what I understand of these mm -hmm. stories, but he wrote it off as being grandfatherly per his own words on his, on his rebuttal. And wow. I think it's, it's on recovering grace website still. So, and weren't some of the, weren't some of these girls minors? Most all of them were. Yeah, I believe most all of them were. Well, I know um, a few of them were not because I'm friends with a couple of those people that were in. Yeah, there, there um, were. I mean, it was kind of like they were just adults, though. I mean, it's yeah, like they were just early adults. So back when all of this was happening, this dude was in his 60s, and so you're talking about anywhere from 12 to 20 something years old. I don't think any of them were over 30 years old. Okay, none of them. So it was and, all the young, very impressionable ones. And Marcy, you said you were friends with some of them. Are they still involved in the cult? Oh, no. These are okay. people that have gotten out. Okay, yeah. okay. They were That's just the women that were in the court, um, were in the legal proceedings against him. I gotcha. So they served well, at headquarters at the same time I did. Did he ever? Okay, maybe we haven't covered that on your podcast yet. Did he no, ever but, go for me? Yeah. No. I was okay. not his type. Mr. Gothard had a very specific type. He liked blondes. He liked people with a soft curly hair. I have naturally very tight curly hair. So that fortunately kept me from being a target because my hair was dark and my hair was a very Good for tight you. curl. And Thanks for those So genes. that kept me safe. <laughs> Same here. I had, I did not have the, I had the dark curly hair, so I was safe. He, yeah. he had a very specific type and it was known. It, mm -hmm. I mean, it was a subject of conversation there. So the Duggars were obviously involved in the church from their perspective at the time that he's getting into trouble. So they came, the Duggars actually started their show. Let me think. I have it written down. Hold on. Let me find it. Yeah, it would have been a little bit after that, wouldn't it? think not, it was. It might not have been completed, but it would have been after. Why in the world would they get involved with something where the head leader is... Being... They they did not know about it, so okay. it was their show started in two thousand two, I believe, or three. So their show started like right after I left headquarters, and so okay. I was like, "Oh, look at this little wholesome family that follows the same teachings I do. Oh, they're on TV. How great is that? They're going to show God's love to everybody." And so it was. So it was that was when. So it wasn't until two thousand and twelve. That, that he... the story was first published. Okay. Now, the lawsuit against IBLP was filed of October 2015. Yeah. So, you're talking a couple years after all of the stories started surfacing, some of the women got together and filed a lawsuit against him, or against the organization. And then they filed an amended complaint later that included Mr. Gothard. Gotcha. So basically, they were saying that the organization didn't protect them from being abused by Mr. Gothard, which they didn't. Right. And they had done a internal like an audit or investigation. Investigation. Yes. And internal it investigation. Showed, and it showed no nothing. Obviously. Okay. So, but in March 2014, 
Mr. Gothard was pretty much forced to resign. I don't think he went willingly. That's my next question. Was there somebody below him that I'm sure he had people assisting him in this quote oh, yeah. unquote, business, but were there some trusted, uh, I'm going to pass the baton to you whenever I retire kind of people? I believe, I believe there, there were certain families that were really connected to him that actually worked up there. So I don't know if you know any of that particulars. I don't. Marcy. By the time that happened, I the families would move in, in and out quickly as far as leadership. So if there were any families that I knew there at that point, I don't know about it. He had his personal family worked with him quite a bit. Like he had a sister that worked there and several other people. And then people that would have been in charge or in leadership positions probably were different mm -hmm. than when I was there. Okay. So from what I understand, the Bates might be the ones running it right now. And they're they're kind of in the Fundy Snark community. They cover them. I don't really know a whole lot about them. I haven't even followed them to know who they are. But from what I understand, that might be who's leading it now. They so came still, after my time. So mm -hmm. it still exists. Yeah. And the leader was forced to step down. And what about charges? Did he go do any time? Did he... Because of the statute of limitations, there was no criminal charges that could be pressed. Where was this headquartered? What state? Um, it's in Chicago. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's Oak Brook, Illinois. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So, and I know, I think they've changed it to where some of the statutes of limitations have changed in that state, but I don't know if the actual, like, the criminal stuff that happened, like the actual cr crime that was committed, I don't know if those fall underneath those changes because there wasn't rape or penetration and stuff oh. like that. So it's a lesser crime. So I don't know. And I think in Illinois, and I could be wrong, so if any of y'all know, please correct me, but I think for the more severe crimes, the, and anything to do with a minor. So I guess it would depend on if they were a minor or not at the time. And then it was a very long, drawn-out thing, and Mr. Gothard was calling some of the girls and telling them to retract their stories. Oh, my gosh. And trying to convince them that he was acting as a grandfather. Right. And he has so, their best interest at heart, and this is all ruining everything in our church yep. and our teachings and our principles and... Yeah. He also went after Recovering Grace, the website that mm -hmm. first published the story. I'm sure he, went he did. After them hard. Yeah. Bastard. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Y'all liked him, but I think so, he's bastard. Through the emotional <laughs> turmoil of all of that, and because the statute of limitations, all, all I think five people backed out. And so oh, it yeah, was initially filed by five women, and then they added, I think, five or six more, but then half of them backed out. And so it was like, this is such a long process. They were emotionally exhausted at that point. I'm sure. Like there was nothing going to happen. And, and I think it sounds like nothing did happen. Other than Mr. Gothard being removed from being the leader. And so that was he's the only just thing. kind of gone off by the wayside now and is living a happy. Oh, he content. has a website. Yeah, he has a website. And I, this is conjecture. But it was quite common in this cult for them to say that a person no longer had say or was in authority 
when actually they were pulling the strings behind this curtain. Oh. So I would venture to say that even though he is no longer on the board and has, and they say he has no say, I am sure decisions are being run past him. That he's is probably, true. he's probably also being supported financially. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, he made so much money off of it that he could, and we'll, we'll get into some of that about his family in a minute. So I, I don't know if the ministry is still supporting him, but I think he was independently wealthy through the, I gotcha. think he took some funds from the, the ministry and could support himself for a very long time. Right. I'm, right. I'm honestly surprised he's not dead. I mean, he's in his eighties. So, but anyway, th there is a video on YouTube and you can search it of him getting a trespass warning from a police officer because he tried to go to Big Sandy, Texas conference and they wouldn't let yes. him in. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, th there's, I, I don't think if he was pulling the strings still that they would have gone to that extent. Yeah. So they I'm not. Yeah, you know, I don't, they might not have. I, I say that, you know, who knows? That could have just possible. been a show of good faith too. They might've said, hey, come yes. on, let's play this out in public so that everybody thinks that you're still. True. Very yeah, I would true. put that that passed to me there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all, no. like, like I said, all that was conjecture, but yeah, yeah. If they so. if they are still functioning the way that they functioned in the past, mm -hmm. it's possible that he still has possible. some say. So mm -hmm. yeah. <clears throat> so let's talk about Bill Gothard's brother, Stephen or Steve. So Steve used to work for Mr. Gothard, and in the late seventies to eighties. There was some females that made some stink about the fact that he was in a relationship with all of them, like a bunch of secretaries. So the Gothard boys are just a couple of hoes. Yeah. Well, perverts, hoes, perverts. Call them. <laughs> they play us. Right? Play, so, play. and that's when they had an internal investigation there. And then Steve was sent up to, I think, the North Woods to live. So, and the Northwoods is another property that they owned. And that was in, in Michigan, woods. right? Yes. Northwoods was there, was Mr. Gothard's special retreat. So hardly anybody went up to Northwoods and hardly any conferences or like know, his, seminars or anything were held up there. He would just go up there. So like his and, Camp David. Yeah. Mm -hmm, yes. Mm -hmm. He would go up there once a year in January or February and he and would play. have his like a week or two where he would get inspiration from God. Yes. This would be told to him. And that's what the next year of teaching would be, was his, um, his, heart. his revelations. Oh my so, God. And if there was any sexual misconduct, like with his brother, they were sent to Northwoods. That was the place that they went. So it wasn't just his brother. This was consistent. I heard this over and over and over. And I even witnessed it with some of the stuff that I saw toward the end of my thing they sent one of the guys up to headquarters that up it was a sexual woods. situation that for hmm. us that was going on one of our students in the program that we were running they sent him up to Northwoods and sent the girl home so it, it was not uncommon for them to do that that was standard they, practice they would get counseling up there it's yeah. crazy like all the pervs just got sent to one place mm -hmm. god dog okay kind of reminiscent of the way Catholicism dealt with it hush hush Move oh. you around. Yes. yes. Let everybody forget about it. Put you mm -hmm. in a different parish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So around this time, they also found that 
there was some money that was being spent by the family. There was, a, they had, either they had a plane or they had a pilot, a personal pilot. And he had reported that the family would use ministry funds to go on vacation and fly the plane to different places. Well. And Gothard said that his family had trouble discerning between personal income and ministry funds. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's real hard to why know is, which account you're taking money out of. Why does his family just have carte blanche access to all the finances? Good question. That'd question. be my first question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that me being an, me being an accountant, you know, mm-hmm. that's like, a, what about some internal controls here? Why is your whole family signers on the bank account? Well, you know, because God blesses you, and then you should just be able to use whatever God blesses you with for whatever you want. <laughs> You're just doing oh, a great yeah. thing. You're right. Yes. Yes. So then, then Gothard does have another brother. So, in, I in can't our wait fast... to hear what he did. Oh, this is funny. This is good. So, okay. So, in 1986, so if you remember, ATI was formed in 1984, the homeschool curriculum. Okay. So, right around after that time, Mr. David Locke Gothard was sentenced to two years in prison for illegally selling a million dollars in securities. Wow. But that wasn't it. Oh, Mr. David Locke Gothard didn't stop there. So in December of 2014 in Florida, he- That's a long distance span of time. Uh Uh-huh, from California to Florida. Up, didn't work in in California. Let me go try it in Florida. So he, had a lawsuit that was filed by the uh, state attorney general, Pam Bondi. Let's see. The lawsuit alleges that David engaged in racketeering and fraud, stealing millions of dollars from his victims, primarily elderly people, oh by means God. of a Ponzi scheme. He was sentenced to two years. Wait, no, that's, that's, let's see. He was actually sentenced to two years for this as well. And then let's That's see. That's why he, he had, keeps doing shit. He's only spending two years in jail. Ten exactly. years. He has ten years of probation this time. Oh wow! And wow. then he was ordered to pay a hundred and fifteen thousand in restitution. You know, out he of didn't millions. Have that. Yeah, but you yeah. know he didn't have the money unless, of course, he was a signer on the church account. Then he could just pay it back. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know what I say on my podcast, don't mess with kids, don't mess with old people. Right? I'm telling you. And they they just do it all. They do it all. Yeah, Yeah. they did it all. So one of his victims of David Locke Gothard, Roger Nixon, and this was from a, a news report, said that he defrauded us out of our life savings, said Nixon, adding that he lost 285,000 after $1,000 after meeting Gothard through his church a decade ago. Mm, Dang it. He goes on to say, we're flat broke. We didn't have hot water for a year. Nixon said Gothard used his brother's church ministry to lure victims in the name of Christianity. David Gothard, says Nixon, makes Bernie Madoff look like a kid playing in a sandbox. Jesus. (laughs) Gosh, they really did do everything. They did. That's pervs and crooks. Pervs and crooks. 
you know, I don't, I don't like to get into religion very often, but obviously this is nothing but religion. But I feel like, it, for me personally, church is a business. That's how I feel about church. And these, and that's fine. If you want to go to church and support church, I'm not saying anything negative about that. But some of these people take church too far. Take it too far, mm -hmm. like this man, Scientology. It, it's just, it, they just take advantage of people that, I don't know. It's, so they it's, try to use the fact that they are receiving messages from, like, just like the stupid guy with Scientology. You know, he was getting these special oh, yeah. messages, the right? So they're, were, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they, they are considered a prophet, right? A modern day prophet. Right. So if you are looking to be closer to God, you are going to try and follow what they're saying, right? Or, you know, like the promise that Scientology is to help the world become a better place, right? So, you know, and it's just, we're, we're, we actually have a episode. We went through one of their days of their seminar oh, and wow. showed what they, what they taught. So it's, it's pretty interesting. But the thing is, is like, you don't realize that the one we covered was from a Saturday and it's a week long thing, right? Monday through Saturday. Okay. So all of the stuff that you were being taught prior to that was just leading up to this crazy to, thing at the end. Yeah. Right. And so you're so inundated with information and you're like, you're telling stories about all of these wonderful things and how, when you apply this, this happens good to this person. And so you're like, well, maybe this is the right thing then. Cause look at all these people, right. you know, Marcy, how many of those stories do you think were actually made up? Oh, I, I don't know. It, or if they, even if they weren't made up, they were certainly twisted to their purposes. Um, True. There, there were things were added to them. Yeah. Yeah. So, because he loved telling stories, man. That was their primary way of teaching was through allegory or story. Mm -hmm. So when, and I'm sure this would be a different answer for each one of you, but do you cover this in, in your podcast or have you covered it? Was there a, a point in time where you just said, like, D, I know you mentioned it, like, I was in a cult. Now I have to deprogram. For each one of you, did that come, or was it a more gradual thing? Marcy, you go ahead. For me, it was epiphany that I needed to get out, and then it was a very gradual deprogramming. The The farther out I got, the more years there were, and the more I learned about cult type of teachings and mental and emotional control, that sped up my healing process, and I was able to say, oh, this is programming. This is why they did this, or this is why they told me that. And then I was able to address it quicker and be able to work out of it faster. But it was a slow, gradual thing. What about you, Dee? So mine kind of started with my divorce from my ex-husband. And I was still involved in the fundamental world. So I went from ATI IBLP, which very much closely follows a lot of the fundamental teaching, and just kind of switched. Because at that time, I didn't have any kids to be involved in it, really. And so... Then from there, it was kind of like slowly, like, what is this right? And then when, when the whole recovering grace thing came out, my brother was also involved in some of like exposing some of the stuff oh, in wow. home, homeschool. He 
um, was part of Homeschoolers Anonymous, which is another website that kind of came out around the same time as Recovering Grace, just kind of exposing abuses in homeschooling. And yeah, so, you know, so he was kind of the catalyst. And it's kind of weird because I've actually been looking on Homeschoolers Anonymous for some of our resources. And I'm like, thank you, brother, for doing that work. (laughs) (laughs) Because now I'm picking it up and doing it, you know, and and using some of it. And what about your 20 year younger than you sister? She is out of it. Um, It's kind of started with my brother. And I also have an older sister. Okay. And so through that, our family started having conversations about stuff. And then when the Recovering Grace stuff came out, it was all of us kind of got rid of the whole IBLP, ATI thing. Yeah, that was my next question for both of you is like, are your parents still in it? And if they are, because when you watch the Scientology, the parents kind of have to disown their kids that want to leave Scientology. You know, is that how this was? So I'm the oldest of the family. So I'm the firstborn and there are six of us all together. And the youngest is 16 years difference for me. So when I started moving out of it, they still had four and five-year-old kids in it. So they didn't disown me, but I was certainly um, told that I would be the reason my siblings went to hell and didn't believe in Jesus. And I would walk away from the faith because I was, you know, pushing back against all the different standards that they required, the dress standards, the music standards. That's horrible. All of that. Because we were required to wear skirts and we were required to only listen to classical or, you know, spiritual type of music. So I started pushing boundaries with that. And so they were... They were concerned and angry with me for quite some time after that. But eventually my siblings, as they got older, um, they got out faster and faster. So I didn't get out till 24, but my brother got out at 20 and my sister got out at 18. And so the, and then by the time we got to the two youngest that were so 14 and 16 years younger than me, by that time, my parents had um, gotten out of the program and they didn't have to grow up in it. So it broke the mold. Good. Good for you. Yeah. So yeah, all of my siblings are out and and your parents. My parents are out of that. My dad just finally left the fundamental church that he was involved in recently. So it's been a very long drawn out process. Journey, yeah. And journey and you know, our family is still learning how to have healthy relationships, you know, to this day and learning boundaries and that boundaries are healthy because boundaries aren't something that are is ever a thing in this cult. You know, you really, an individual person. Individuality mm-hmm. is really, really looked down upon. You, you are absolutely part of a connective. My parents are out now. They still adhere to a lot of the belief system, but they know better than to press it on the kids anymore. Right. <laughs> All of the rest of us have kind of gone on and, and found boundaries and and Good. are normal human beings now. But and we just don't talk about the subjects. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When my mom found out that we were doing this, she was not happy with me. <laughs> she oh wow well you know but you both to me you both seem like extremely intelligent and just normal <laughs> everyday people you know and that's the subject mm-hmm. that's and that's the thing it's like a lot of people don't realize how normal everyday intelligent people can get wrapped up into cults and it's totally possible. And just because somebody is involved in it doesn't mean they're ignorant or, you know, weak, you know, it's like I was in the air force. I, you know, I went to South Korea. I was away from my family for a year. I'm, you know, 
I was always a tomboy, you know, I'm not a weak person, but the way the teachings are set up, it's a gradual thing. Mm -hmm. And I call all of his stuff is basically a grooming manual. I mean, if you look back at it now, it is just setting up people for abuse and, you know, and it's like a grooming manual of how to teach people to be vulnerable, to be abused. It's insane. So okay. I would also, in reference to the parents that got their children into it, because that was my experience, they promised safety. Mm -hmm. And so coming out of the 60s and 70s, for these parents, they wanted safety. And that makes, that makes was, sense. It makes sense. So they thought, essentially, they were, they were guaranteeing safety for their kids. That they would grow up to be yeah. not like the hippies of the 60s. Right. And doing LSD and having sex and getting, you know, diseases, you know, they were going to keep their kids safe by going through this. And so it wasn't, you know, and it was such a slow process for them as adults. And I was an adult when I did it too. So it's not just kids that can get wrapped up into it. And, you know, and then you have the whole Duggar thing, which just proves that they don't deal with things correctly. You know, right, I mean, right. if, if anybody doesn't know about Josh Duggar, Josh Duggar just got convicted of possession of child pornography. He was also, it was exposed back in 2015. No, not 2015. I'm trying to think. When was, so I think it was like 2013, possibly when it came out that he had molested some of his, his, his siblings. siblings? Oh. Yeah. So, and the way that they had dealt with it when they, they found out year, the family found out years before that this was going on. And there was actually an official report made in 2006, 2006. And around that time, he was sent to a ATI IBLP center, one of their many, many, many properties to get counseling. And none of it was actually done by licensed therapists or a psychiatrist or anything, because that's wow. frowned upon. Right. You know, it was Christian counseling. Those advice. people might tell you that the this is a cult that you're in if you go to someone like that. Yeah. A lot of times exactly. the counseling that was given was just hard root labor. Mm -hmm. There yeah. was no real actually like, you know, let, let me just feed you the basic seminar again. Because you're sinning, mm -hmm. and if you mm -hmm. if you go through the seminar, you're gonna stop sinning, you know. And God was gonna take care of everything if you just give over your own will to Him, and that's right. it was all on you to be willing to give up your own will to God's will. And if you didn't do that, then you know you were just reprobate, and you know weren't there was no saving you. So. But we're not going to tell anybody that you're doing anything wrong right, because, right. God forbid, we protect other people from being abused, you know. We're going to just sweep that under the rug. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then he was also found out that he was on Ashley Madison in 2015, you know, which is right around that whole right. lawsuit yes. with Gothard, you know. So it was like, it's just like a, a whole cult of perverts and criminals. Yeah. You know? Wow. I mean, if three of the brothers from this family were either perverts or criminals, right? and then, you know, it's, it, Josh Duggar is not the only one in this cult who has gotten in trouble for sexual, you know, whatever, you know, abuse or, 
you know, porn or, you know, child porn. I'm sure well, there are many others. It's just everybody knows his name. So right, it's out right. in the national media. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that y'all got out of the cult. Well, thank you. I'm really glad too. Jeez. I mean, what? Yes. Y'all are just, y'all are awesome. Really. Thank you. Awesome. And I want everybody, so give them some info on how they can listen to your podcast. Okay, so we do have a YouTube channel, Umbrella Rebellion. We are also on all, we do the audio also on, I think there's six or eight different platforms, Google, Spotify, Apple, those kinds right. of things. So, and then you can find us on Instagram. We're Umbrella Rebellion on Instagram, as well as a Facebook page. Awesome. If you... If you were a former member of this cult, if you are wanting to learn more and you're curious about maybe leaving this cult, or if you're kind of still just deconstructing your faith or want to find different, you know, people, we have a group actually for former members of this cult on Facebook and it's the Umbrella Rebellion Official Support Group. So. Awesome. That's great yeah. that you have that as well. Yeah. Yes. So I'm looking forward to listening to all the episodes and would y'all be willing to come back again on Grits with a Side of Murder and do this again? I mean, absolutely. I love hanging out with you, Tammy. <laughs> all right. That's what I like to hear. Marcy, yes. You'll have to make a trip down to Louisiana and we'll, we'll boil you some crawfish and absolutely, we'll take, we'll take care of you. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to do a, a podcast in person. That's right. That would be awesome. Come down here. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So get a sitter for the kids and hop in the car or hop in <laughs> <Yeah>. a plane. <laughs> you can um, bring the kids. I'm not saying that you can't bring the kids, but I mean, yeah. if you know, I'm thinking as a mom, you want to get away for a little bit. <laughs> we'll, have to work that, we'll have to work on that one. Yeah. <laughs> that would yeah. be fun. <laughs> All right, ladies, is there anything else that you want to say before we head out or well since you know. we're gonna put this on our youtube i just want to invite our listeners to go check out tammy's podcast grits with a side of murder they cover all kinds of different murder crime. mysteries and crime and she has rotating hosts so it never gets old and there's different people telling the stories and listening to the stories and so. we drink alcohol and we try to laugh about life a little bit so <laughs> and make not it not so not so serious and dark yeah yeah but, so. all right cool cool so uh, that's gonna be it on my end and so for y'all tune in to grits suicide and murder of course but also go check out umbrella rebellion on all the platforms and if you want to see me you can go to youtube at, at their site and see me do this on i don't know if i can do this again with my <laughs> face on here it's, it's weird <laughs> it's weird like hiding behind the no, the no visuals. <laughs> yeah. I have to fix my hair and put on makeup every weekend. I don't want to do that. All right. All right. We love y'all out there. Thanks for listening.